friends first, client second. Um, I always try and just start a genuine relationship with people that I meet and the friends that I've had for a long period of time. It's always friend first, kind of client or realtor relationships second. If you kind of come off like, hey, I'm a realtor, I want to do business with you, I just, you know, that's all you really care about. Then you come off as salesy, disingenuous, and probably someone that you that they don't want to work with. Welcome back, real estate rock stars. I am Shelby Johnson, and I'm here with Connor Anderson, who is a solo agent out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Been an agent for three and a half years, but not always from Grand Rapids. So interested to dive into how you built your business from the ground up. But in the past 12 months, Connor's closed 32 deals and just under $9 million in volume. He specializes in working with first-time home buyers and investors. And also, I just mm -hmm. like you as a person, Connor. We've been friends <laughs> since 2019 now. So they yeah. welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Shelby. I'm excited. Woo -woo. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, Connor. So let's let's build some context here. Um, mm -hmm. Did you, you know, you were born and you just, the first words out of your mouth were, I want to be a real estate agent or how did this, how did real estate come to be in your life? Yeah, it's a really good question. So no, those were not the first words out of my mouth. It was probably pizza or something like that. Um, but I, I've always had an interest in real estate, always had an interest in real estate investing. Um, and that led me down the path of, yeah, just kind of learning about real estate investing that led to me getting a job at Bigger Pockets, um, but you know, eventually I decided to get my real estate license as well, just to kind of do it on the side, help myself buy property, help friends buy property as well. And never actually set out to become a full-time real estate agent. It just kind of happened because I was having a lot of success with it and decided to just jump into it um, full force. So it was never actually. A goal of mine to become an agent or a successful agent is just happened. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> I feel like that's a very common theme. It's yeah. like people don't decide when they're two. They're just like, well, this happened and it's working. So, but where exactly. were you before Grand Rapids and why did you end up moving there? Yep. So I'm originally from Lansing, Michigan. Um, then I was in Denver, Colorado for a couple of years and decided just to move to Grand Rapids after my time in Denver because I knew it was a cool city, had a handful of friends there, and I just knew that I'd have a great time living here. Um, and also, you know, being with the investor mindset, knowing that it's a, it's a great market to invest in. So I just really decided that, hey, that's where I'm going to be, and that's where I'm going to build my life and build my business. Quick question on the investing stuff real quick is like, how did you, mm -hmm. what made it a good market to invest in? So the reason it's a great market to invest in is honestly like just the price to rent ratio. Um, the the prices here in Grand Rapids, the average sales price is about three eighty, and that's below the average sales price for the the U.S. as a whole. Um, and also the rents is an area where you can find properties that still generally hit the one percent rule, and obviously that's just kind of a basic rule of thumb. Um, but it's a market that's continuing to grow at a rapid pace. Um, it's a, kind of a secondary market. About a million or so people live in the general Grand Rapids metro area. Um, and there's a lot of people that are moving from different areas of the country, country to Grand Rapids because of the, like the different employers in the area. And then also just the affordability that Grand Rapids offers people. 
Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So price to rent ratio, 1% rule-ish. Generally, price point is lower than the U.S. as a whole. Okay, I'm sold. Like, that makes sense. So mm -hmm. you leave Denver and you're going to Grand Rapids and you are like, I got my license in hand. Yep. I'm going to do this. How did you begin building your business? Yeah. So the first thing I did was actually partner with a already very successful real estate agent who was well-connected and well-versed in real estate here in Grand Rapids. Um, that agent, his name is Daryl Matthews. He had probably three or four years of experience underneath his belt. And I was his, what we call the associate agent. So I did lots of cold calling for him. I set a lot of appointments for him. I did a lot of showings for him. And in return, you know, got a, a portion of all the deals that I brought to the table but more importantly, learn from someone who had been doing it at an extremely high level for a long period of time and was able to learn from you know his success, learn from his mistakes, and just really hit the ground running as a as an agent. So you opted for the mentorship route, probably in exchange for, you know, pieces of the commission. Where because you know yep. there's a lot of agents like starting out mm -hmm. they're they're trying to make that decision. It's like, yeah. do I keep all of whatever I can make or do I go for less and get more experience and you know, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You went yeah. Yeah. And I, I tell a lot of people that I want to get into being a realtor who don't have any experience is like, hey, like start out either on a team or start out being mentored by someone to partner with someone who has the experience because, you know, call it 50% of a commission is better than a hundred percent of no commission. Um, and I did probably about 20 or so transactions with him that first year where if I didn't partner with him, I probably would have done like three. Um, so it was very, very beneficial, you know, one financially and two, just learning from someone who's been there and done that. Yeah, makes sense. 20 year one, not too shabby. Uh, so <laughs> that first year you did cold calls for him. You did these showings for him and you were like getting the reps and you're learning the business mm -hmm. and you're learning the market. And so did you stay with him just for 12 months or what did the transition look like from time with him to solo agent life? Yeah, I did that for about 12 months and yeah, it was a great experience. Learned a ton, but felt confident that I could, you know, jump out on my own and have just as successful as a business, if not even better um, on my own, because I could focus my efforts where I thought would be most beneficial. Um, and honestly, yeah, those efforts weren't, I don't spend a ton, if any time, cold calling anymore, um, but really focusing on, you know, the people that I've built in my network and kind of some other different lead sources that I use to um, have, you know, a constant deal flow coming in. Yeah. So where do you now focus your efforts that you find to be most beneficial? Yep. So my, my business is basically 50, 50 between working with real estate investors and then working with friends and family buying and selling their primary residence. So for the investor clients that I get, uh, there's kind of two things that I do. One, uh, purchasing leads from biggerpockets.com. Um, great lead, lead source. I, I mean, don't know the exact stats on the conversion, but I do believe that they do much better than Zillow leads, realtor leads, or other 
things like that. Um, and then, yeah, the other 50% is just, you know, friends and family. Um, actually, sorry, let me backtrack. The other thing I do for real estate investors is I host a monthly meetup. That's a great lead source for me. Also gets to help educate a lot of different, you know, people that are looking to get into real estate investing. Um, and also it's kind of a monthly current client appreciation event because about half the people that show up to my meetup are my past or current clients and it helps them connect with other people that are doing the same thing in their area while also kind of adding some legitimacy to me as an agent because I have all these connections that they can also benefit from. Um, so yeah, those are the two things I do for the investor clients is the meetup and bigger pockets. I'm a huge fan of the meetups. I feel like it's like yep. an interesting trip campaign. Um, mm -hmm. but we'll talk about that in just a second. I'd love to dive a little deeper, but for bigger pockets first, the bigger pockets leads, because everyone it cares so much about leads, you know, where's the business coming from? So if that mm -hmm. lead source is working well for you, do you know how much, how much monthly does it cost for those leads? Yeah. So it's, um, basically I think it differs market to market, but I pay a thousand dollars and that gets me 25 leads. And once, you know, and those leads don't come all at once, it's, you know, two, three, four a week. Um, and then once I hit the 25 leads for that $1,000 package, I just, you know, re-up for another thousand. Generally, I think I probably have to re-up the package like four to five times a year. Real quick, before we get back to the episode, two things I wanted to share. First, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. It really means the world to all of us. Second, we feel like we're just getting started. If you enjoy what we do here, please follow us on this app, share an episode, or give us a quick review. I promise we're working hard behind the scenes to make this show as good as possible now and into the future. Thanks guys, back to the show. Okay, gotcha. So a thousand bucks gets you 25 leads and mm -hmm. um, not positive on the conversion rate, but high enough so that way you continue doing it. And yeah. <laughs> with it, it's one, probably like roughly 10%, I'd say. It could be higher if I did a better job of, um, you know, drip campaigns and systems and stuff like that, but it, I'd say it's roughly 10%. Okay, gotcha. And of those investor leads, are those like house hackers, like primary residents? quote unquote investors, or are they like the ones who are like, I want the $30,000 house in the hood, man. You yeah. Know? It's, it's a mix. I would say it is a lot of house hackers, which honestly are some of my favorite clients. Um, and then there are, you know, out of state investors that I get a lot of as well. People from, you know, Denver, California, North Carolina, some of the, like maybe the more expensive markets who want to invest in a market like Grand Rapids because of the great metrics that we do have here. Uh, but yeah, then I do get a lot of kind of people saying like, hey, I have $5,000. I work a um, landscaping business under the table and I want to start burning houses. And I'm like, well, Good luck. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, I remember, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when I was selling a bunch of investor deals the first the first couple years that I was in the game. Um, in North Carolina, there's this thing called the due diligence fee, which is the non-refundable deposit. And I mm -hmm. remember people like freaking out over the idea of having to put like two hundred fifty dollars towards like due diligence. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. If, if we're really really concerned about that amount of money, like we have bigger problems. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Okay. So we got the bigger pockets leads coming in. You know, you got mm-hmm. somewhere between $1,000 and $4,000 going into that annually for that lead source. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about the meetup. So you do yeah. the meet. What's it called? It's called 616 Real Estate Investors Meetup. Um, 616 is our area code here. Okay, gotcha. 616 Real Estate Investors Meetup. And you do it once a month. And yep. where? How are, you, how are you marketing for the event? Yep. So I market the event three different ways. One, just on meetup.com. Two, Bigger Pockets has a section for local real estate investors meetup. And then the third thing is just sending out um, email and text blasts to everyone in my database that I've kind of like marked as an investor um, and marketed that way. And we, we don't get crazy turnout. I'd say anywhere between like 10 to 20 people every single month, but I kind of like it a little bit more intimate. Um, there are other ways I could market it, such as like on Facebook, creating a Facebook group and stuff like that. But honestly kind of find that the, the ways that I'm doing it currently kind of keep a lot of like maybe um, the riffraff or like the, the tire kickers from coming to the event. So um, I kind of like the way that I've been doing it. Yeah. I love just meetups in general because it's mm-hmm. like the perfect opportunity for you to get excited about something for your yeah. business. That's not salesy. Cause you know, no one likes to feel like they're selling, but if you're like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm doing this free opportunity to hang out. And I don't know if you guys have beers that I'm like, drink a beer, learn something. And, and it's just, even if there's only 10 people who show up every month, how many more are seeing that and remembering you Mm -hmm. for real estate every single month? Yeah, exactly. And I go, we don't have any sort of agenda at the meetup. I'm not doing a presentation. I once had a lender kind of come in who he does a, he owns probably about like 200 or so rental properties. He did a short little speak, but um, it's really just no agenda, just kind of people helping each other out. Listeners are probably thinking, uh, I don't have the money for a venue. How do you afford to pay for, or the question is, do you pay or is it free? (laughs) It really depends. We've done a handful of different venues, but I think the most I've ever had to pay was like $200 to rent the space for two hours. And we've done it at um, coffee shops. We've done it at different breweries. We even had it at a beat-ups one time that just had like an open patio that they kind of sectioned off for us. So it, yeah, it, there's really no cost associated with it and people buy their own beverages. <laughs> so it's it's pretty cheap and if not free. Ours, they buy their own beverages too. That yeah. People yeah. are like, oh, do you like cover the tab? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, no. Okay. So that is, we got your lead sources. We got the bigger pockets, paid lead source. We've got the meetups. But you also mentioned friends, family, and follow up are kind of like your. Mm-hmm. So, what in regard to follow up, everyone hears it, you know, you got to follow up with people. What like sets you apart? Why are you the follow up guy? I I don't think there's really any secret to it. It's just putting it either in your calendar or any any, any sort of CRM to follow up with people, I'd say generally every two to three months. And when I say follow up with people, I don't I'm not a huge fan of just calling and checking in with them. I actually like to have real relationships with, with these people. So the people that are kind of like my friends that I don't see on a 
daily, weekly, monthly basis, but are people that I want to stay in touch with because I know that they're going to need to buy a house, sell a house, or I just want to actually like have a good relationship with them. I, you know, touch base with them every two to three months and I set up a time to actually get together with them. Um, whether, and usually it's doing the hobbies that I enjoy, like golf. Um, just yesterday I went golfing with, um, yeah, a friend of mine who I met on a ski trip this past winter. He was really cool. We kind of hit it off. He mentioned that, hey, I need to sell my house in you know six to eight months after my wife and I get married. We're going to be looking to buy another house. So I've been you know intentionally meeting up with him every two to three months to play golf or grab a beer or grab a coffee or lunch or anything like that. So that's what I do with my follow-up is just kind of put in the CRM or the calendar and touch base with the people that I don't see on a regular basis um, and intentionally get together. It's smart. And it's smart that you're using your hobbies as a way to like, you want to ski anyway, you know, you yeah. want to play <laughs> golf anyway. So you mm -hmm. might as well invite someone who not only do you like and you care about authentically, but also has the potential of being business down the road. Also mm -hmm. love this because there's probably no better way to build like core advocates, which is one of my favorite things because people talk about like, sphere of influence all the time like oh I'll talk to your sphere talk to your sphere that is cool but having people within your sphere who are your core advocates who like that guy who you took playing golf like he probably is at the point where if someone else talks about real estate he is willing to go out on a limb and stick his neck out to be like no connor is the man you have to use him and that referral that core advocate speaking on your behalf is way more powerful than you trying to sell yourself. Yeah, absolutely. No, that that's exactly why I do it. Um, and it's just fun. Um, and that's also generally like how I try and build my sphere of influence as well. Cause I'm not from the city that I work in. Um, I do have some friends that I've moved here. Don't really have any family here, but I, intentionally go to a lot of different things related to my hobbies and meet new friends that way. Um, so there's a handful of different run clubs in the area. I go to two to three different run clubs on a pretty regular basis and have made a lot of friends that way. Um, golf. Yeah. Like I said, I love golf. I'm in a golf league. I have met a number of people through my golf league or actually just different outings and have done real estate with them and you know, we'll do real estate with their friends as well. So that's what I really encourage people to do is there's a lot of different like young professional meetup groups out there. And if you go to a group like that, you're going to be one of five agents, one of five lenders, one of five insurance brokers, whatever. Um, but if you kind of just join these different things that are related to your hobbies, you'll meet a lot of really cool people that are friends first and clients second. Oh, and it's so great because, you know, most agents, once they get busy, they're like, Oh, I can't justify doing any of these things that are fun because I'm so busy. But if you make the lead generating process aligned with your fun, it's like, dude, two birds, one stone, all the benefits. Um, if I'm listening now, I'm like, okay, okay, Connor, I'm going to go to my run clubs. And how do I turn my running skills into business? Like, how do I get them into clients? Honestly, I think kind of like re reiterating what I said, I mean, not, not too long ago, but like friends first, client second. Um, I always try and 
just start a genuine relationship with people that I meet and the friends that I've had for a long period of time. It's always friend first, kind of client or realtor relationships second. If you kind of come off like, hey, I'm a realtor, I want to do business with you, I just, you know, that's all you really care about. Then you come off as salesy, disingenuous, and probably someone that you that they don't want to work with. Um, so I am never really pressure oriented with any of these relationships that I meet. Um, yeah, whether it's skiing, golfing, at the run club, whatever. Um, so I think that's just a good way. And then, you know, getting their information is always super powerful. And it doesn't have to be, hey, I need your phone number, I need your email, I need your address. Get someone's phone number, get their Instagram, add them on Facebook, whatever, and just kind of interact with them in a friendly, easy way, just like a normal human being would with their other friends and family. They'll turn into potential clients. A quick word on our toolbox. We know it can be overwhelming thinking about all of the systems you want to build into your business, and that is why we ask guests to submit their favorite checklist, template, or tracker so you don't have to build from the ground up. Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and click Toolbox for your free access. Thanks so much. Yeah, it, it totally makes sense. So Connor, you are, you're going to these places, you're making friends, you're building authentic relationships with people, and then you are getting their contact information with the intent of deepening your relationship. You might not have even talked about real estate at all this time, but there's probably mm -hmm. a chance that if they go to, you know, hey, let's follow each other on Instagram, they pop up your page. And I assume that it says real estate something, you know, whether that's investor, agent, whatever the case may be. And then they're probably mm -hmm. like, oh, dude. So you pro is that is that correct? Yeah, I that's definitely pretty accurate. So I social media can be like a great, obviously a very, very great source of marketing source of lead generation. But I like to keep Again, more of the focus on, hey, I'm Connor Anderson, an individual, and then a realtor second. So if you're to go to my page, it's probably 50-50 split with what I'm posting for personal stuff and real estate stuff, if not even more heavily towards the personal stuff, because I don't want to someone like a friend I just met to follow me um, and be like, oh, wow, this guy, that's all he's about. Um, because again, it can kind of come off as salesy or disingenuous or like, Hey, he's just a realtor. He doesn't have a personality or interest outside of that. So, um, that's kind of a, yeah, like a huge intentional thing that I do is keep it pretty 50, 50 balance of like, Hey, here's me going out to dinner with friends or here's me, um, you know, having a beer at the golf course. But then also, hey, here's a property that I just sold. Here's a client that has gone under contract on something. Um, and keeping a nice balance between, hey, I'm Connor Anderson, an individual, compared to, hey, I'm just a realtor. Okay, we got the lead sources. We understand the very subtle, very <laughs> low-key psychological sales process we got here. Mm -hmm. And so when they're finally ready after being friends with you for eight months, that's another thing that you're doing though it's like um i think one of the reasons why agents get so pushy gross salesy is because they're desperate you know it's like oh, i can't eat next month I'm like, <laughs> but 
Yeah, if you play the long game, if you're able to play the long game and commit to the fact that you don't have to help this guy buy or sell or whatever now, you can commit to an eight-month extension or longer, then it makes you more attractive in the eyes of the client because you're not uh, desperate. (laughs) Yeah. Also opens your your line of opportunity and probably helps your sanity too, where it's not like so like yeah. Okay. So at this point we went through all of that process. So once you have this client, let's talk about through your sales process. If you work with first time home buyers a lot, Mm -hmm. I'm a first time home buyer, Connor. Hi, I would like to buy a house. (laughs) Perfect. Well Let's help you out with that, Shelby. So I actually have a fairly rigid process that I go through with first-time home buyers or honestly any buyer, any seller. Um, and what it helps me like once stay organized, but kind of set the stage of like, hey, these are the things that we need to do in order for you to actually buy a house. And also set the stage of like, we're going to focus on education up front and then actually try and find you, find and buy you a house. So my process is pretty simple. It's just like one, connect with them, learn a little bit more about their goals. Second thing, we need to get them pre-approved for a mortgage. Um, I will not open a door for a client who is not pre-approved for a mortgage. It's a waste of my time, which is important, but honestly, equally as important, it's also a waste of their time. Um, if they want to say, hey, here's this awesome $450,000 house in the school district, in the neighborhood that we love. We go through it, they fall in love with it. And then I call the listing agent. He says, hey, we have a deadline of 10 a.m. tomorrow and my client's not pre-approved. We're screwed. Also, they're equally screwed if we call the lender, try and scramble to get a pre-approval in less than 24 hours, which is not an easy task. And we found out that they're only pre-approved for 350. So that's that's why I yeah, like one, they need to be pre-approved for us to move on to the next step. The next step in my process with buyers is just kind of a home buyer consultation and sit down for about an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, and go through these kind of eight different processes that happen throughout the purchase of a home. So we, you know, talk about like what they're looking for, set them up on an automatic search. And then we talk about like, hey, when we're touring houses, this is what we're looking for. We got to make sure that the condition of the big five items, the roof, the HVAC, the foundation, the, the electrical, the plumbing are all in really good shape. And then, you know, talk about like, hey, what does it look like to write an offer? What's in, what happens during the inspection? What the heck's an appraisal? What's an appraisal got coverage? All these different terms that they need to know about that they've probably never heard of before or maybe have misconceptions of before we actually go on to the next step, step is actually touring homes, writing offers, and then finally closing on the house. So I go through those three or four different things with clients before we even set foot in the door of a, of a listing. Throughout that process, what is the one that let's say let's talk about the consultation when you're going yeah. through you know all of those different things? What is the one that you feel like you have the most pushback on, or people don't understand, or the hardest to convey the importance? That's a tough question. A lot of people have, I mean, different worries, but a lot of people just say like, "Hey, I just want to see the house." 
let me let me see a house. And I'm not that agent. I'm not a Pop-Tart realtor who will just pop up and show you a house and just hope for the best. And it's kind of also something that I do to weed out potential clients that are going to waste my time. Um, if they're not willing to trust me that I know what I'm talking about and know that education upfront on the home buying process is paramount to actually being able to be successful in today's market, which is still pretty darn competitive, then that's someone that's going to give me pushback on when I give them advice that they may or may not want to hear. Um, and that just helps me kind of weed out clients that I may not want to work with. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do at the beginning, kind of like say no to business or um, say no to people that are going to potentially push you around <laughs> during the transaction. But um, if there's an, if someone's not willing to take an hour out of their day to save them five hours of potential headache and work in the future, then that's someone I probably just won't end up working with. Real quick, as you likely know, the 2024 Real Estate Rockstars Mastermind is sold out. But if one of your preferred vendors is looking for marketing opportunities, we are looking for sponsors. We would love to get their name and business out to 80 highly motivated real estate agents from across the country. Know someone who'd be interested? Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and shoot us a quick email for more information. Thanks so much. Back to the show. And with that consultation, so that is your pre-screen as well as mm -hmm. their their education yeah. process. Um, let's say they they meet your approval, they're going to be a good client, and you went out, you showed them homes, and mm -hmm. now you're you're under contract. In the inspection came back, and the mm -hmm. inspection has those issues that we talked about. You know the the top five that they should be concerned about in addition to some other, you know, repairs on there. And now Shelby, I'm your client and I'm freaking out. Mm -hmm. What do we do? I mean, there's just, there's a couple of different ways of handling it. One, talk them through the actual issue. And I'd like to talk about things individually of like, Hey, something that could pop up is like, Hey, there's some double tapped breakers in the electrical box. Well, what is a double tap breaker? what concerns are around that and what are some potential remedies to that situation? We can negotiate the seller to pay for the double tap breakers to be fixed by a licensed electrician, or we could ask for $500 worth of seller paid concessions and we can hire an electrician that we know and trust to do that work ourselves. Um, so that's kind of what I just do is, you know, break it down one issue at a time, alleviate each issue with, one or two or three different solutions and we just kind of go forward from there i want everything done though connor i want <laughs> litter i basically want a new house i would i want you mm -hmm. to go back to the seller and say i need a new hvac i need a new roof i need all of these different things actually i need a hundred thousand dollars of things in a house that probably actually doesn't need it what do you what do you say to me it's not an easy question, Shelby. You're stopping me here. No, Sorry, so I'm slamming you. No, this. you're you're good. <laughs> so there's two things that we can do. Is like one, like just you know, set expectations. It is best to set up expectations up front of like, hey, 
we're going to get an inspection done on a property and the vast majority of the homes built in this area are 1900 built. So they're 120 years old. There's going to be issues. Um, and kind of explain to them that the issues in this house are probably no different than any other house in the general neighborhood that you're looking for. If you're looking at new construction, that's a completely different story. But you know, if you're expecting a perfect house that was built in 1900, that may not happen. Um, so it's really, really important to set expectations up front of what is going to turn up in that inspection report. So when they do pop up, they're not terribly scared and they're, you know, not ready to either get some seller paid concessions, have some repairs done, or even do repairs themselves after the time of close. But in a situation like what you're saying is like, hey, I didn't set up expectations up front and they're freaking out. They want $100,000 worth of work done. Um that may just not be the house for them. And, you know, it's not a problem that that's not the specific house for them. Just treat it as a learning experience of, hey, this is what we need to find in the next house um, because we're going to have to back out of this contract, get our earnest money deposit back, and go back to shopping homes that do fit their needs. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It's all about that managing expectations, especially if you are seeing old homes. But even if you're not, I remember, you know, back in the day where if, if we had those initial conversations and they were super freaked out about like every little thing in the house, I'm like, have you considered new construction? Because if you want a new home, then we can yeah. talk about that. But if you're buying a resale mm -hmm. home, it comes with resale types of quirks, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think you handled it great. I know I'm a bad, I'm not the best client you've ever had. Okay. <laughs> so, it's okay. Right. You closed 32 transactions in the past 12 months. How, mm -hmm. what pieces of leverage do you have in your business to help carry hmm. that load? I don't have a ton of leverage, but the one thing that I do leverage out is transaction coordinating. I, I'm terribly terrible with paperwork. I'm terrible at organization and I would make the world's worst transaction coordinator. So I hire out transaction coordinating on all of my deals. I was actually once I bought a property like four months ago, um, by yeah, just another multifamily rental property. And I was my own TC on that transaction. And as soon as we were done, I fired myself, called up my TC and said like, Hey, <laughs> Thank you so much for you, for what you do. If I did not have you, I would not be a real estate agent. That's the God's honest truth. If I had to do my own TC work, I would, I'd be doing something else. Where'd you find her? It I got pretty lucky. I didn't assume. Yeah. yeah yes. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. The other day I was like, yeah, where'd you find your assistant? Like her. And he's like, mm -hmm. It's a dude. And I was like, so bad. I, I can't believe I assumed. So, but you did tell yes. me, okay, where did you find yes. your transaction coordinator? Um, so Kelsey, shout out to Kelsey. She's great. Um, but honestly, she just is a TC that is in my office that a lot of other agents use. So I was pretty lucky in that regard where I didn't have to really seek anyone out. But I do know that there are a lot of different resources out there for kind of virtual transaction coordinators or stuff like that. But um, any other agent who's looking to hire someone out, I'd probably just ask someone who's doing 30, 40, 50 deals because I promise you that they have a TC that may be willing to work with you as well. 
And a good TC is worth every freaking penny too. And speaking yes. of pennies, how much do you do you pay her by transaction or is there mm-hmm. a monthly retainer? What is nope. your pay structure? It's just three hundred and twenty-five dollars per transaction. It just comes automatically out of yeah, my commission goes to her. Yep. And worth every freaking penny. I, that always um, yep. was something like when I first hired a transaction coordinator, it was $250 a transaction. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how are you doing so much work for, I mean, the commission is so much more than that. And I really do feel like a good TC mm-hmm. freaking carries a lot, yeah. a lot of the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice. Realistically, once we're kind of like past an inspection period on a deal, I'm just an autopilot. Um, my TC does all the work. I check in with the client, you know, every three, four, five days, see how things are coming along, see if they have any questions. But um, yeah, anything that most of the emails that come from my title company, I just open up real quick, see that Kelsey handled it and I just close it. The best. Um, Okay, Connor, we asked guests to bring something for our toolbox. And I believe that you brought something. Did you bring something for the toolbox, Connor? I did. And it's not anything super exciting or sexy or (laughs) but it's something that my clients and friends and family absolutely love so i did this very recently because yes about that time of year but um i if you go to i forget the name of the website i gave it to you in the toolbox you can share it with everyone but they're they're fridge magnets that have all the football schedules for like the local professional football team, the local um, and the two local college teams. And it, you know, they put it on the fridge, has my contact information, has my picture on it. But it's a simple piece of marketing that people absolutely love and are super duper excited about whenever they get it. So it's just kind of a nice friendly reminder that they check, you know, every every few days, like it's on their fridge that, hey, I'm a realtor, I can help you out. Your friends and family should also use me as well. But also um, something that people are super excited about when they get in the mail. Um, I got, yeah, dozen or so texts this past week because I just sent them all out for this year of people just fired up that they got these in the mail and get to stick them on their fridge. So not the you biggest tool, normal. but it's it's super cool. Your face is looking at them every day. Perfect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And guys, if you have never checked out our toolbox, it is at realestaterockstarsnetwork.com. And then you can click toolbox. All these tools are free for the guests. Upload. It's the best thing ever. So check it out. And Connor, looking ahead, what does the next couple years look like for you in your real estate business? Yeah. So for me, I've always wrestled with, hey, do I want to start a team or not? And I, I'm still kind of wrestling with that. I'm at a point where I yeah, do enough business where, you know, hiring an admin, hiring buyer's agent, stuff like that would be really, really cool. But I do enjoy the hands-on aspect that I have with my clients. So it's not something that I'm willing to start yet. Um, but also I miss some of the creativity and kind of hands-on nature that I don't have as much of anymore with um, being an agent and not actually working on a lot of different projects. So my goals for the next handful of years is to start getting into flipping homes because one, it will help me actually, you know, 
be creative and work on some projects hands on, even though I'm not going to be swinging a ton of hammers and stuff like that. But um, just kind of coming up with creative, you know, designs for these songs, I think will be fun. But also, I really like the aspect of just creating new places for people to live. Um, here in Kent County, where Grand Rapids is located, we are short 35,000 units of available housing for the demand that we need. Um, that's basically a yeah, projected. We're going to need 35,000 more units of housing for the next five years. Um, and there's still tons of really, really crappy, dilapidated homes that, um, you know, if I can buy those, fix them up, I can kind of be a small solution to the problem that we have here. So that's something I'm pretty excited about. And uh, I'm going to be focusing some more time and effort on here in the next couple of years. Very cool. I'm excited to hear about mm -hmm. that all unfold. And as you go into this venture, and also mm -hmm. if anyone has referrals for Grand Rapids, Michigan, Connor, where should they send them? So best way uh, to probably the best way is to best way is probably just my Instagram, um, Connor T Anderson. Connor spells C O N N O R. Um, that's probably yeah the best way to get a hold of me. Perfect. Last question. Words of advice, tips, anything for um, new agents getting started out there? I'd say there's two pieces of advice I'd give. One is partnering with someone who's been there, done that, and you know, can really show you the ropes. I yeah, I've been an agent for yeah, just three and a half years now. And in that period of time, I've probably had four to five of my friends that have gotten the real estate license. None of them are agents anymore. And the biggest reason is, is because they did not partner with someone who could show them the ropes. Um, and they tried to do it on their own, tried to get 100% of zero, zero commission and kind of failed out as an agent. So that's a big piece of advice. The other thing I would say is just, it's a long game. Um, the average agent doesn't last 12 to 24 months, whatever the stat is. Um, and there's been many times where I've, you know, considered quitting for one reason or the other. But now that I'm three, three and a half years in, I can see all those people that I, tr you know, wanted to work with when I first started six months ago that are now turning into clients at year three, three and a half. So it's really just sticking to it, not giving up. And if you don't quit, those people will start to come around and the business will really start to snowball from there. Great advice, both of those pieces. And guys, again, if you want to hang out with Connor or send him referrals, go to Connor T. Anderson on the gram. And listeners, if you want to hang out with me and the owner of the show, we are Aaron Amugastegi and The Shelby Show on Instagram. So hit us up with feedback. We want to know how to improve, who you want to hear, what topics you want us to go deep on. And if you're an experienced investor, Aaron is hosting an event in Austin this September. For more information, go to investordeepdive.com. And that is it for today. Connor, thank you so much for coming on the show. And Real Estate Rockstars, thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.